Well, we've come to this part in stewardship where we're going to talk about money. Don't worry, I felt your internal gasp. And I want us to approach this and understand that God wants good and blessing for us. But God also would that none would perish and that all would come to eternal life. Let us not confuse the heart of God by saying that He is meant for me to have all. God is not in the business of prosperity in your wallet. He's in the business of prosperity within the kingdom of God. Those are two very different things. And in the scope of what happens today with preaching and with the Word of God and with the large movement across Christian circles, we need to understand that God didn't mean for you to be rich. There are some of us that have been blessed by the work of our own hands, and that is good. But don't miss that God blessed you with that. Don't try to suggest to me or to the church that somehow me having a lavish lifestyle and people going unfed, widows going uncared for, orphans being left in the streets, and the gospel not going forth. Don't try to reconcile those two because they can't. And that brings us to our text in Mark chapter 12 today. When we talk about giving, I know that you guys have heard every joke, you've heard every ism, you've heard every one-liner, you've heard every inspirational quote that you can even imagine possible in the church. I may say a few of them today. But what I want you to understand is that God is serious when it comes to our money. Like I said last week, there are many things that we've talked about the last few weeks in talking about stewarding our time and stewarding the gospel and stewarding others and stewarding ourselves. When we've talked about those principles within all of that, we can apply those principles quickly and easily to our checkbook. And so today, when we look at Mark chapter 12, we need to really get a grasp on what's happening. The reason I love Mark's gospel so much is because Mark is much like myself. Mark is what we would almost call the ADD gospel. Mark is shorter than the others. Mark skips from story to story, even even in the text where we're looking at right now, it's, it's Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, he was on the, uh, on the mount overlooking, and then all of a sudden he's in Jerusalem, he's in the temple, then all of a sudden he's sitting over here in between the temples, then when you move into the very next chapter, all of a sudden he's back up on the mountain looking over at Jerusalem again, at the temple. And so Mark is 
picking and choosing those highlights from which Mark probably either heard this story and, and from what we know, and Nate and I discussed this a little bit this week, Mark, Mark is probably the least educated of all of those who wrote the Gospels. And so Mark is just kind of your, uh, he's your action film Gospel writer. Which brings us to this interesting piece in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. It brings us to this interesting perspective because for some reason, Mark thought this was important. And as we will discuss today and see, is vitally important in the life of those who follow Jesus. Mark chapter 12 and verse 41, if you would stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. This is a story that no doubt you have heard many times. Many times you've probably heard it in Sunday school. You've probably taught it to your children. The widow and her offering. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. Let's pray together. Father God, would you pour your word over us? God, I pray that your spirit would inhabit our praises, but also that it would penetrate our hearts now. God, I pray that you would teach us, teach us what it means to give and to give all. We want to honor you. God, we want to listen to you. We want to change because of you. Because of your glory, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. A man died and went to heaven. He was met at the pearly gates by St. Peter, who led him down the golden streets. They passed stately homes and beautiful mansions until they came to the end of the street, where they stopped in front of an old, run-down cabin. St. Peter said, this is yours. The man asked St. Peter, why did I get a hut when there were so many mansions that I could live in? And St. Peter replied, I did the best with the money that you sent us. Honestly, if we looked individually at each of our hearts, sometimes we consider giving in this manner, don't we? We think, well, I'm giving to receive something. The more that I give, the more that I put in, the better off I will be. If I give a whole lot, then I'll get a whole lot. I want to tell you that the problem with that is that it's not biblical. The problem with that is that it's not true. God does not operate on a spend money to make money system. God could care less how many zeros are behind your gift. 
but we've got it confused. and We've messed it up. We notice this in, in many of the preachers that we hear. We hear things like, sow a seed. We hear things like, give and let God bring back. We hear things like, God will bless. And when we think of blessing, we think of money. The reality is, is that many of us are just like those who are walking by the offering box. Putting large sums in. And then walking away. God wants us to understand what real giving looks like this morning. So I've got three points. And we'll work through them. But I want you to understand that we're not going to talk so much about practicality today. You guys have heard enough. You've been through enough studies, hopefully. To know what practical giving looks like. But what I want us to look like, look at today is what Jesus saw. I want us to skip over the practicality of all of it. And I want us to understand the heart behind it. Real giving. What does real giving look like for us? First thing is this. Real giving is sacrificial. Real giving is sacrificial. If you have your bulletin, on the back of it, there's a place where you can take notes. You can write in sacrificial in that first blank. You see, the amount of the gift never matters so much as the cost to the giver. It's not the size of the gift, but the sacrifice. Real generosity gives until it hurts. And for many of us, it's a real question if ever our giving to God's work is any sacrifice at all. One thing that we've got to understand when we read this story, when we see this common text, when we talk about giving and stewardship, one thing that we've got to understand is this woman's plight. Now, you've got to do a little bit of digging and you've got to understand a little bit of history and you've got to know exactly what's happening here. If you just read over the text, you're going to miss a whole lot of good things. We have to understand where this woman's coming from in order to truly grasp the sacrifice here. First, she's a poor widow. That's important because of what Jesus just got done saying in the previous three verses. Jesus just alluded to the scribes who would devour widows' houses. This woman was literally on her last penny. In fact, it, it tells us we, she had two small copper coins. If you read different versions, you, you see the word minas or you see the word leptas. And lepta literally meant thin one. These two small copper coins were equal to about one sixty-fourth of a denarius. Just so happens that this amount, the two minas, the two leptas, this was the amount that the temple authorities gave to the poor 
so that they could obtain bread for the day. This woman is literally holding her food in her hand. And to be honest, if she had planned to tithe back to God at that point, it makes absolute sense that she would just give one coin and keep another. But she gave all. That's a big word in this small scene in Mark chapter 12. But she, out of her poverty, gave all. She gave all that she had. It was more than just money at that point, guys. And that's what sacrificial giving is, is it's more than just money. This widow, possibly even homeless, is holding on to what would get her food for the day. And amongst all those who are walking and throwing in much, she walks over and she puts in those two coins. All that she had. Out of her poverty. Real giving is sacrificial. She had to give up something in order that she may give to God. So let me ask these questions. Where are you at in all of this so far? Are you a big giver when it comes to portion? Like many of these that walk through there? But are you small when it comes to proportion? What has the proportion of your giving? For some, you may not even be giving the tenth that God advises in the Old Testament. For some, it may be that you give out of, out of abundance when there is abundance. And for some of us, it may be that we never see our giving as sacrificial. So what does this look like? Sacrificial giving. Honestly, it's, it's different for all of us. You see, God may be calling you to deeper, more, sacri more sacrificial giving today. Maybe God has been working on you for a while. With the proportion that you are giving. How does that stack up? What has the most of your money. Maybe you're one of the sacrificial givers. Let me challenge you before we move on today. The Spirit will show you if you let Him. The Spirit will speak to you this morning if you let Him. But church, I want to tell you from looking at survey after survey, from hearing sermon after sermon, from being in church all of my life, I know that this is the point where we turn our ear and we do not listen to God. We will gladly give out of our abundance because of the joy that we feel in our heart. We will gladly give out of our wealth when it's going to a good cause. Especially when there's a tax break. 
But whenever we talk about sacrificial giving, this is where many followers of Jesus Christ tune out, turn off, and turn away. I've been there myself. But let me tell you, the Spirit will show you what you need to do, how you need to give. You see, God sees the heart, and He knows the inner man. Which leads me to the next point. Real giving is significant. Real giving is significant. In the previous two chapters of Mark, we have seen that Jesus has not only entered Jerusalem at the beginning of Passion Week, He has also entered the temple, He's ran out the money changers, and He's been in the court of the Gentiles debating with the scribes. Now, Jesus is sitting, most likely in the gate called Beautiful, between the court of the Gentiles and the court of the women. There in the court of the women, there's 13 trumpets. These are bowls that are shaped like your ear. And they were there to collect the tithes and offerings of the temple. Jesus is sitting He's resting. He's probably a little frustrated or worn from the people that he has seen in the previous two chapters who do not get it. And as he's sitting there, he notices what some translations call a certain widow, suggesting that she was known as a poor widow. She was probably a local that attended the temple often. I can only imagine the face of Christ light up as He sees and as He hears these two copper coins clang into one of the thirteen trumpets. Jesus saw it as significant. He saw the teaching moment at hand. He may have looked over and said, Peter, John, Andrew, You guys, all you guys, come here. Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of these. See, Jesus understood and Jesus understands the significance of real giving. It's who He is. Jesus is the one who takes our all, no matter the size of it. And uses it for His glory. You see, real, true, God-honoring giving is a big deal. Oftentimes, there's a, a certain recklessness in giving to the Lord. This woman could have kept one coin. It would not have been much, but it would have been something to give. Yet she gave everything she had. There's a great symbolic truth here. It is our tragedy that there is so often some parts of our lives, some parts of our activities, some parts of ourselves that we do not give to Christ. Somehow there is always something that we hold back. We rarely make the final sacrifice and the final surrender to Him. What is it that you're holding on to? 
what is it that you're keeping? It may be money. You may have this idea in your mind that God doesn't need your money. And if I'm being honest, He doesn't. God wants your obedience, church. Maybe it's something that you're holding on to with your time. Maybe it's an activity that you're holding on to. Well, I, I just can't, I can't do church on Sunday nights. I can't come to Bible study because I've got this going on. You know, I can't help with uh, the children of the youth on Wednesday nights because that's really my only night to go do this. You know, Sunday mornings are really hard because we usually spend time at the lake on Saturday or even on Sunday, and, and it's just really hard to get there, especially during those months where, gosh, the weather's so good. What's holding you back from giving all? Final point. Real giving is spirit-filled. Spirit-filled. <laughs> Some of you older folks probably remember this old hymn. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it. If you go in Jesus' name. You see, Jesus saw this woman's heart. You've got to understand something with me this morning, church. God is not a moron. And He's not bad at math. And He's not irresponsible with finances. Jesus Himself is not stupid, y'all. He understands entirely the portioning of the gifts being given. He knows that there's a bunch of big spenders walking in and out of that temple. So it should demand our attention. In Mark chapter 12, verse 43 and 44, when Jesus says, She has given more than all of these, for they have given out of their abundance, yet she's given out of her poverty. Jesus is not naive to the fact that they're putting in lots of money. Jesus sees the Spirit within this woman. He saw the Spirit-filled gift that was being cast into the offering box. And I'm sure the thoughts began to roll in his mind like this. Little is much when God is in it. You see, if there's anything that this story teaches us, it's that Jesus can take that small little bit when it's our all and makes it huge. Something that we have to remember in all of this is the place of the Holy Spirit in our giving. The place of the Holy Spirit in our giving. I believe, in all honesty, this is where many of us miss the mark when it comes to our giving. We have been trained, we have been programmed, it has been 
just poured into us that we should tithe, we should tithe a tenth. Anything over that is offering and, and we've even for a long time thought that that was sacrificial giving. We've got to understand the Spirit's place in all of this. Let me ask you a couple of questions. And this is going to be a little bit of the litmus test of how the Spirit is included in your giving. And if you take nothing away from today, I want you to remember that Jesus said, listen, she has given more than all of these because she has given her all. And I want you to Answer these questions within yourself. When you decide to give and how much to give, do you ask the Lord for His permission and His preference? That's a little mind-blowing for some of us. Wait, you mean I need to ask the Lord for permission? It's His. You need to ask Him every time that you give, God, what would you have me to give? Sometimes He's going to answer with answers you don't like. That's okay. Little is much when God is in it. When you do give, let me ask you this, is it sacrificial? Does your giving depend on God to come through? Some of us, that's an easy question to answer. On both sides. Some of you might be like, listen, DJ, I don't make enough money to even pay my bills, so when I give, I'm definitely dependent on God to come through. That's fine. You may say, DJ, I've got enough money to pay all the bills. And when I give, I don't need God to come through. How would the Spirit burden your heart today? Does your giving depend on God to come through? Let me ask you this. When you give, is it significant? And what I mean by that, is it refreshing to your soul to give? Like it was for Jesus sitting in that gate, being worn down by church people, and all of a sudden he sees a sacrificial gift, a significant gift. When you give, is it done out of repetition? Is it done out of duty? Lastly, when you give, is it spirit-filled? Are you giving in a way that trusts God to do big things with the gift and to do big things with the giver? That's what this woman was doing. Surely, we have to understand too, in her mind, she knows that a penny is not much. When all these others are walking in, throwing in a lot. Surely we can see the minor intelligence of this woman to say, this is a small gift. 
But she had faith that God could do something big with that gift. No matter how small. And in turn, she also, when she gave it, she had faith to believe that he could do something big with the giver because that was her bread for the day. I wonder if Scripture ministered to her in that moment. Man shall not live by bread alone, by every word. Listen. When we give, is it spirit-filled? It is a strange and lovely thing that the person whom the New Testament and Jesus hand down to history as a pattern for giving was a person who gave a gift of so little value in monetary terms. We feel like we have not much in the way of material gifts or personal gifts. To give to Christ. But if we put all that we have. And all that we are at his disposal. He can do things with it. And with us. That are beyond our wildest imaginations. Let me offer this to you in closing this morning. For believers. Has he not done that already with our lives? And for the unbeliever. Is He not offering that to you in your life? The whole premise of the gospel itself is He must increase and I must decrease. As John said. God wants to take what little you and I have to offer Him and make it bigger than we could even understand by His grace. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and not of works, lest any of us should boast. You see, it's His task to take our all and make it worth far more. He does that too in the giving of our money, and He does that when we give our lives over to Him. He wants to do that for you today. If you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, taken all that you are and surrendered it to all that He is, you'll have that chance in a moment. You have that opportunity to take that first step when we have our time of invitation. I want to invite you to come and take this preacher by the hand and say, I want to give all of my life to Jesus. Christian, I have one final question for you this morning. Is God, the gospel, and His grace worth my all? Is God, the gospel, and His grace worth my all? Is He worth all of your life? Is He worth all of your time? Is He worth all of your possessions? Is He worth all of your money? I'm not saying that He will ask for it. But He might. The rich young ruler came to seek eternal life from Jesus. 
And Christ asked him to sell all he had and to come follow him. I'm not going to even suggest that God would ask that of you or of me, but he could, and rightfully so. But the question today, when we talk about stewarding our money, when we talk about that which God has blessed and honored us with, the ability to work, the ability to provide, even the ability to enjoy life. Is he worth all of that? Is he worth all of it? For this widow, he was. We never hear again about her. I won't, I won't even begin to speculate what would happen to her after she left that temple. And there's a good chance that God may have provided for her. There's a chance that she may not have eaten that day. But I have a feeling that when she went back the next day, and she took that temple provision, For her to have food. I bet she still had the same heart that says, I want to give all of this. Is that your heart? Is giving to God the first thing that comes to your mind when blessing comes? You see, if we're going to be stewards of our money and steward it well, There's got to be a heart that wants to do that. A heart that understands real giving. Let's pray together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. What is the Spirit speaking to you right now? Lost person, it's time for you to give your all to Jesus. To take your life and give it to Him. He's drawing you. He's calling you. Step out in faith. Receive His grace and give Him your all. Christian, what are you holding back from God? What is the Spirit speaking to you right now? Let the Spirit speak that into your heart. God doesn't want to guilt you or anyone else out of money. What He wants you to do is to be convicted of your obedience. This isn't a plea from the pulpit. This isn't a plea from this church for your money. What it's a plea for is for us to be obedient to God in all things in our life.
where are you holding back? Are you holding back in your pocketbook? In your bank account? Are you holding back with your time? Are you holding back with your possessions? What's the Spirit speaking to you this morning? I'm going to pray. When I'm done praying, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. But what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to miss what the Spirit's trying to speak to you this morning. I want you to miss what God's wanting to do. Lost person, you be the first to come down here. He wants your all. He wants everything in your life so that He can take and make it something big. Use it for His glory. Christian, maybe you've got some things to work out at this altar. Maybe you need prayer. Father God, I pray that your spirit would pour over us. God, we trust you with what we want to bring and offer. God, we want to surrender it all to you. We want to lay it all before you. We want to put it down so that you can do much with it. God, whether that be a big gift or a small gift, God, let it be sacrificial. Let it be significant and spirit-filled. God, convict our hearts. Move us to change. And hear us as we worship you. In your name I pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing?